Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are going to extend Halloween by one week. We just can't help ourselves. We can't. We just can't get enough of that spooky, spooky feeling. We're going to watch The Exorcist Believer, which is a reboot of The Exorcist series along the lines of what they did with Halloween. Where they ignored stuff in the middle. They ignored everything past the first movie and just started over with the sequels. So that's what they're... Like, this whole concept to me is like, I can do the sequels better. Yeah. Let's watch, watch me do the sequels better, right? Yeah. And if we're being completely honest, that Halloween series, the first one was good. The second one was decent. I liked it. You didn't like it because of the Evil Dies Tonight thing. That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and thir- I will forever use that. <laughs> <laughs> the third one, the third one is, is, I understand what they were going for, but the execution of it was just so bad. I really, like, they wanted to have two films in one. Like, if you want to have a diversion from the Halloween series, Mm-hmm like they did in the original trilogy, which is, I guess, what they were going for, fine. But then don't bring it back to the Halloween series in the same movie. It's convoluted. It's it's just, it's too weird. It's yeah. too weird. They didn't stick the landing. Now he's going to try the same thing. He being J- David Gordon Green and, what's his name? Danny McBride. They're going to try and do the same thing with The Exorcist. This is the first of a three-movie arc. Who's that? Danny McBride is that dude from, I want to say it's Eastbound and Down, maybe? Is he like a writer or director or something? Uh, well, up until the Halloween movie, I think I know him best as an actor. Oh. He's he's that one that he looks like, he looks like what you'd imagine Hollywood's version of a redneck would be. Hmm. That's how he looks. Oh, I he's, thought you were going to say Jason... Jason Blum, because wasn't he part of the Halloween franchise too? Yeah, yeah, but he just he is the producer. He's like, right. oh but yeah, I'll he's put the money up for on it. this too. Yes, yeah. So he's the one putting the money up for it, but yeah. he's not the creative force behind it. He's mm-hmm. like, he's the he's the guy put, footing the bill, basically. He is, but he still could say no, like no, this is dumb. We're not doing it. True. Here, this is how in he is on this. Yeah. He spent $400 million to secure the filming rights to The Exorcist. And on top of that, he had to guarantee it would be a trilogy. So even if this one actually bombs, there is two more coming. Holy shit. So he's all in on this. Well, no, I mean, that doesn't mean he has anything to do with the with the writing of it, but... What's interesting about that is that that dude has way more money than he knows what to do with. He is spitting out horror movies left and right. Like it, almost everything we see anymore is he's somehow yeah. related with it, you know. Yeah. What what is I mean and what you're going to get with that is exactly what we're getting now. Some are good, some are bad, mm-hmm. some are really good, some are terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean that's most movie production studios, yeah. right? I yeah, mean, it really is. It's all is. over the place. So. It really is. Yeah. You just don't, You're I absolutely mean, hit right. Hit and misses. Absolutely. So while we're talking about maybe the original a little bit here, kind of doing a reboot type thing, mm-hmm. Ellen Burstyn comes back in this, right? Yeah. And she said, no, I'm not doing this. Good for her. She should have stuck they with her guns They offered there. her double the money <laughs> to do it. And she's like, well, I feel like the devil is asking my price. (laughs) 
So she she came in and did this. Hey, you know what? The, it, it's not like it's not. Like, God, I don't know how. Like, I I get it. You know, you pay a paycheck as a paycheck, really, when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? Sure. <laughs> she didn't murder anybody or yeah. anything like that. So yeah. what the what's she hurting? You know, what's she hurting except? She's getting paid to do it, I guess. Also, the director of their original Exorcist, William Friedkin. Yeah. He is quoted as saying, the guy who made those new Halloween sequels is about to make one to my movie, The Exorcist. That's right. My signature film is about to be extended by the man who made Pineapple Express. I don't want to be around when that happens, but if there's a spirit world and I could come back, I plan to possess David Gordon Green and make his life a living hell. (laughs) (laughs) Freakin' doesn't like this, huh? He was not a fan of this idea, and he actually passed away in August of this year. He didn't have to watch it. He didn't have to watch it. Boy, now there's a conspiracy theory for you. Did he off himself just so that he... (laughs) No, I'm, I'm I, kidding. I, I, I don't think so. I don't condolences think so. But to his family. But what would be interesting is, yeah. is David Gordon Green getting possessed? Well, he certainly, I mean, we wouldn't see it until the second movie. I, I want to touch on that really quick because Friedkin's Exorcist is one of my one of my favorite films of all time. It's almost perfectly paced. It is really well written, really well acted, thematically you don't have to be a believer in anything to get the themes or feel the the impact of the themes of that movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was, I haven't seen any of the Exorcist sequels, just like I resisted watching the Psycho sequels Mm -hmm. because Psycho, the original Psycho, is one of my favorite films of all time. I resisted watching them. Eventually I gave in and I watched Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. And, you know, they were fine. They didn't... No sequel is ever going to really tarnish the original. But I worry because I think this... I think The Exorcist is a very personal film. Mm-hmm. And a very personal book, you know? Mm-hmm. And to sequelize it to hell is... I don't know. It kind of belies the source material a little bit, you know? I agree. I feel like The Exorcist is one of those movies that our parents, that generation, this was like the scariest thing they've ever seen. I remember my mom telling me a story yeah. when <laughs> yeah. she watched this. She was, when did this come out? 73. She, she was a teenager or whatever. Ago. Yeah. And she ended up sleeping in her mom's room as a teenager on the floor because she was so freaked out about it. Really? You know? So this movie, The Exorcist, kind of has like this bubble around it almost. Like this was a very scary movie back in the day, you know? We can't just making sequel after sequel just kind of, you know, waters it down a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right. And what what I think is that taking leaving out the horror elements it's a near perfect film in its execution which is hard to follow up on it's think about jaws jaws is a near perfect film in its execution which is a really weird thing to say about a movie about a from a guy who's a pretty much a rookie at the time that he made it but it's a near perfect film in its execution and the sequels cannot recapture that they've never been able to recapture that mm-hmm. you know i don't know that you can recapture that effect with the exorcist either mm-hmm. i went into this movie willing and eager to see if it would scare you to death 
but I didn't, I wasn't going in cross-armed because I've, I'm trying, part of my journey on this podcast has kind of, kind of gone from, man, I'm not going to watch that too. All right. I guess I'll give this a try and not going in expecting the worst, but kind of seeing what we get. Now I'm not always successful in that as anybody that's listened to this podcast will know, <laughs> but this is one of those ones that I was, I was able to say, okay, I'm just going to go in and say, we'll see what this is. We'll yeah, you and I had different thoughts going into this because you had that thought. And my thought is, I don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> you were terrified of this. I saw the trailers and I'm like, this freaks me out. I do not want to see this movie. I know I'll have nightmares. Did you? I did not. These type of movies typically are the movies that do give me nightmares mm-hmm. or like when I'm laying in bed at night and I hear a creak in the house, it's like, oh my God, what is that? You know? Oh my God, it's the devil coming to possess me. Right. It's because I'm already heightened, like scared yeah. from this. The adrenaline is And pumping. then I'm thinking, you know, about this movie and, you know, the, the scary parts of it. And then I hear things and I talk myself into being even more scared. <laughs> but that's these type of movies. Yeah. Now I'm going to be honest, The Exorcist, I did not watch that until probably about four years ago. Five that was years me ago. again, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You had it on I the see, list. We watched it. I seem to do this to you a lot. But I never watched it because of all the stories I heard about how scary it was. Really? No, and well, and so I yeah. went into that thinking, I'm going to be terrified this. And it came off to me more comical and just goofy. And mm. I, I didn't really like it. Really? I thought it was stupid. And like like with her head spinning and the green goo and shit like that, I was like, this is just goofy. I, 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 it wasn't scary to me at all. Wow. And I wonder if, one, I had this expectation that it was just going to be terrifying. And two, it's made differently than it is now. I mean, we have watched so many horror movies at this point that I'm wondering if I'm coming becoming desensitized to some of this stuff and it doesn't scare me as much as it used to. I suppose that's, that's possible. very possible because yeah. I, I watched more horror movies since you and I got together than every, <laughs> like my whole life, add everything together, take that time, it's probably about four or five and I've watched more than that at this point. So I'm just wondering if these movies just aren't going to affect me like they used to. But Maybe. I did see the trailer to this and I thought girls being creepy and the demon thing and the trailer did really good to to scare me like i did not want to see this so what was scary about the trailer versus the original exorcist the trailer to this versus the original exorcist you were scared of the trailer but uh-huh. the original exorcist did not unsettle you at all yeah well the and it wasn't like i was not sleeping from the trailer it was just as i'm watching this trailer i'm thinking the, I think this movie is going to actually scare me because mm. it seems a little darker. It seems a little scarier. Yeah. Um, and just movies are made different now. You know, there's different pacing. There's different music. Mm-hmm. There's there's it's just made different. Yeah, so, absolutely. There's a, there's definitely a and change. I am not yeah. one that typically enjoys those older movies. Those right. older movies to me are slow and boring. <sighs> <laughs> and so it's just different. They're different, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, it explains why you don't like movies like The Witch or Midsummer the like that are slower and more methodical. I despise in their... those movies. Yeah. Yep. And and I am a 
I am a lover of 70s cinema. That is mm-hmm. my era of film that I go to. Mm-hmm. Like more often than not, I will watch something from the 70s. And it's because of the the craft of it. I think that we've lost a little bit of something. Now, say what you will about Spielberg and his contribution to film, but he also gave us blockbusters. He was the one, He his film, Jaws, gave birth to the summer blockbuster, which in a lot of ways has contributed to the popularization of film and the depopularization of of film as art. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like people are more likely to go and see the next thing because it has Jason Momoa in it rather than what's the story and am I going to be interested in this and is this going to be compelling to me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's that's how things have ebbed and flowed, you know? Yeah, and it's, everybody's going to have their interest. You right, know? yes, absolutely. You know, it's going to pique somebody's interest versus somebody else. And, and right. that's probably a good thing that they make hundreds of movies all the time just to try and cater Hollywood to Hollywood alone so. makes hundreds of movies every year, yeah. <laughs> No, I, but for me, you know, one of the things that I love about 70s cinema is that plotting, that, that pacing of it. The idea that you are experiencing this, you're going to go along for this ride for however long it takes. It doesn't matter how long it takes. And it's going to be kind of, there's kind of a slice of life quality to it. Not quite as much as say indie film in the nineties, but like there is a slice of life quality to it. I think it's that new Hollywood thing that came about in like the late 60s, early 70s, where the studios were having less to say about what was going on in film. And and I, what I really enjoy about that is that you spend time with these characters. You delve deep into these characters. You know what I mean? Like Father Marin in the original Exorcist is a character that we spend some time with, mm-hmm. right? In this movie, the priest, we don't spend any time with him. He just shows up and then ends up dead, mm-hmm. you know? We understand why they're having this battle. Pazuzu and, and Damien Karras, Father Karras. We understand what the connection is there. We understand that Father Karras has his own personal demons. Mm-hmm. And that is what's affecting his battle with Pazuzu, you know? And the... I, do, I think that that is something that is missing from... I think that is something that is missing from modern film in that we don't always spend that much time with these characters. They're on screen for 10 minutes, then they're cast into the action, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what, you know, that's what's quick and mm-hmm. fast and people want to get right to the action. They don't want to wait for it anymore. It's like the microwave generation. You know, we want to, want, 30 seconds, I wanted it now, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Again, nothing wrong with it. I like films from this generation as well, but my go-to is this this slow burn, which is mm-hmm. kind of why I like The Witch and Midsummer. They're slow burn films that kind of bring mm-hmm. you to the horror is that you related to these characters and now this is happening mm-hmm. to them, you know? Yeah. So. Yep. And for me, that stuff is like, I have other shit to do. <laughs> Show me a movie. Entertain me right now because I have shit to do. <laughs> Jester, dance for me. Exactly. Yeah, I, uh... <laughs> Not really. But, uh, you know. But I go to see a movie to be entertained and to come out of that feeling more relaxed. And, and <laughs> You went to this movie to be relaxed? No. Okay. For movies right. in general, okay, I good. go to... <laughs> Escape from crazy life. I mean, our life is crazy. We are so busy all the time, or I that am anyways. And yeah. and 
to have to sit down and think about my entertainment too, that's really not what I go there for, you know? But wouldn't you rather, like, if your life is crazy and so fast-paced and everything's going on, wouldn't you rather just sit and leisurely enjoy a movie? Or are you just feeding that that adrenaline by watching movies that are just nonstop, go, 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 go until the end, and you're like, wait, did what just happened? Mm, you know? I don't know. But it's not like I, I hate all these other no, movies. Because, like... We and, recently watched the movie The Whale, and I yes. loved that yeah, movie. That was really good. But in general, I feel like yeah. when movies feel too slow, mm-hmm. I start losing interest, and then I'm like starting to think, okay, I have laundry to do. <laughs> I have to make sure I look at ABC at work, and you know, <laughs> I mean, my brain starts wandering because I have a long list of stuff to do. I don't want to sit here and have to try and figure this movie out. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, and and I'm and again, I'm not saying anything bad about like you know the way that you choose to consume your film or what mm-hmm. types of film you choose to consume. I'm just wondering if your life is so crazy, wouldn't you want like a leisurely stroll mm-hmm. through whatever you're watching? You would think so. But, One might think, yeah, but, but but I'm also one though on my TV series because I watch a lot of TV series. Yeah. I tend to go back and repeat TV series because I like to listen to stuff and not have to really pay attention to it. Mm. And so that might have something to do with these movies too is I don't have to really pay attention to a movie that's fast and full of action and stuff because I can just watch it. I know what's going on and I leave there thinking, oh, that was fun. You're still on the go. Even when you're watching the movie, you're Mm -hmm. still on the go. Probably. Interesting. Probably. Okay. All right. I am someone that definitely has a hard time disconnecting. I I have noticed that. Just to unplug and just not be going. (laughs) I I have noticed that. I have noticed that. Well. Okay. We are way into a big discussion. We should probably veer back to what we are actually here to talk about. We have derailed that train. Why don't you give us the cast and crew of this movie? And then let's get into it. All right. So this was directed by David Gordon Green. It was written by Peter Sattler and David Gordon Green. It stars Olivia O'Neill as Catherine, Lydia Jewett as Angela, Leslie Odom Jr. as Victor, Jennifer Nettles as Miranda, Norbert Leo Butts as Tony, <laughs> Anne Dowd as Anne. And Anne Dowd does look like Anne Dowd, just so you know. Now, who who have I, I, I where have I seen Anne Dowd before? Oh my God, she's in so many things. She's one of those actors that's well, like in everything. She's in yeah, Hereditary. She's, she's in Hereditary. That's it. That's where I just saw her. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I just watched Hereditary. I, I was like, again. I know you just saw that yep, one, but she's right. in tons of movies. She's never the main actress. No, no, she's a character actor, which but is fantastic. She's I love in character actors. So much. Yeah, she's okay. great. That's why I, oh my god, that's why she was so familiar to me. She's the she's the friend of the mother in Hereditary that like ropes the main character into the cult thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> totally forgot about it. And when we're watching this movie, I'm like, God damn, she looks familiar. Who is that? I w- I kept thinking <laughs> the same thing. I'm like, man, that looks like Ann Dowd. And then at the end when her name came up, I'm like, well, that's why it is Ann Dowd. <laughs> that's a good reason. Yeah, that's a good reason. So. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. All right. Ellen Burstyn as Chris McNeil. Mm-hmm. And very, very briefly at the end, we get Linda Blair as Reagan. Okay. So I Was had... it needed? No. I don't but, think it was needed. No, but shower thought. This is designed to be a trilogy, right? Yeah. They're bringing Reagan in, and now remember, Chris hasn't seen Reagan in years. After she published her book, Reagan was angry that she published the book, and she left, right? Mm -hmm. Hasn't seen her in years. Reagan, I'll, I'm, I will, 
I am almost 100% certain Reagan is going to have been, have been doing the exact same thing that Chris McNeil has been doing. Just completely separate from her. And they're going to team up in the next one. I would guess so, too. This th- She was brought in at the end mm-hmm. to be in the next two movies. Right. And why else would you... Why else would you blind Chris McNeil's character if she needs someone else's eyes to see? And, oh, well, now we can make allegory or, or reference to seeing things through your children's eyes, right? Because mm-hmm. her kid's going to help her see, like, her experience through her eyes. Yeah. Now, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna fuck with this. You watch. Yeah. You watch. I, oh, I almost guarantee it. I can almost guarantee it. All right. Let's talk about the story. Fine. So the movie opens in Haiti, 13 years before the main action takes place. In Haiti, we meet our main character, Victor Fielding. He is a photographer. He's on vacation with his wife, his pregnant wife. Is it Seren? I think it's Seren. I think so. Yeah. She wanders while he works. And she's interacting with the people there. She's interacting with the kids there. Some of the kids take her to meet a voodoo priestess who gives blessings to Seren's child. Soon after, she meets up with with Victor again, and they go to a church. He's going to take some pictures from the the tower of the church of the city. He wants to kind of get some photos of that. And she's like, well, my feet hurt. I'm going to go back to the room, the hotel room. So she does. Soon after she arrives, though, there's a massive earthquake. A massive earthquake. This is the earthquake that happened in 2010, the actual Haitian mm-hmm. earthquake. Okay. They're caught up in this. She is trying to get out of the building into the streets to try and be safe, but the building collapses and she is wounded by falling debris. Victor finds her after rushing back to the hotel because he knows that that's where she is. And she is... Still conscious, but definitely at death's door. She tells Victor to protect their child. This part is terrifying to me. Yeah, this is tough. This is scary. I mean, take our main characters out. Just having a massive earthquake like that is going to be terrifying. And then the fact that Victor is going to have to choose which one lives, your wife, who you love dearly, or your unborn child, who you haven't met yet, but I'm sure there's a love bond starting at that point. Yeah. Wow. Way to start a movie, man. I mean, that that was tough right off the bat. My question is, is this an appropriate thing to put into a movie? This is a, a an actual event where 160,000 people died. Mm-hmm. Is this okay? I feel like they would have been better served by making it a fake something, not tying it to a real event. Yeah, I well, for context, 3,000 people died in the World Trade Center attacks. Mm-hmm. Would it be okay to make a horror movie that starts there? No. Why do we feel it's okay to do this? I don't. No, not you. Yeah. I mean, we as in society. I don't know. Okay, this was this was my first problem with this film is that they they don't it's not tr- it's it is it's trivial I'm going to say it it's trivializing it it's trivializing the deaths of 160,000 people when you're saying we're going to make this into the impetus for 
the the trauma that our character is experiencing for this made up thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're not telling a real person's story here. If you're telling a real person's story, that's different. That's World Trade Center movie, you know, right. or the United ninety three movie. That's real trauma. That's a mm-hmm. real telling of something that actually happened. Mm-hmm. This is a fictionalized character being used or uh, using this mm-hmm. this uh, this trauma as their as their impetus. I have, I have a problem with this, and I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not a pearl clutcher, generally speaking. So I wasn't like clutching my pearls. I was like, this just seems in bad taste. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't think about that, but I do agree with you that make it a fake earthquake somewhere. Yeah. And it, then you're fine. Yeah. It put me off. It put me off. Uh, it doesn't have to be in Haiti. You can have it be anywhere. You can put it in the Middle East. Oh, fuck, you can't put it in the Middle East either because people are dying there all the time from shit like that. But you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. give it some other Well, you don't, thing, I mean, you know? if like, you do it in Haiti, just don't do it in the year that there was a massive earthquake that killed thousands of people. Don't make it an actual earthquake. Make it something else. Yeah. Make it something localized. Make it something that can't be defined. You know, I mean, well, I don't know. It's a paranormal movie. Make the building just start shaking for no reason. And it's the only building that shakes and falls down. Well, they're going to tie voodoo into this later. Why yeah. can't that be part of it? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. It just seemed in poor taste. And it put me, it put a bad taste in my mouth right off the bat. So. Okay. I, I understand. Okay. So 13 years later, Victor lives back in Georgia with his daughter, Angela, who survived. He is still a photographer, but he has lost his faith in God as a result of losing his wife. Angela is curious, naturally, about her mother. She's never met her. Her mom died before she was born or while she was being born. And she goes through Victor's things, finds a scarf that her mom had, and she was going to wear that to school. But Victor, as he's dropping her off, he's like, no, 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 you can't take this stuff. This is my stuff. You're not allowed to take this stuff, right? I, okay, I absolutely understand where Angela's character is coming from at this point. Sure, Because I have a very similar situation where- You do. My father passed when I was just an infant. I don't remember him at all. And growing up, you know, you you just want to know something about that person. Mm -hmm. And being told, don't ask questions. Yeah. This isn't yours. Right. You know, it... I get it. She's just trying to grasp at something to, mm-hmm. to connect. Now, her dad never married or moved on. My mom did. So I did have a dad growing up. So sure. it's maybe a little different, but I do get it. I do get it. She's just trying to grasp onto mm-hmm. something. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I can't fault Victor for his his uh, reluctance to talk about it. This is traumatic for him, you know? But really, though, this is a child that never had a connection with their mother. Mm -hmm. She deserves to know that. She deserves that. I do get that, but I do feel like Victor needed to stop and see what was happening and realize that while Angela never knew her mother, she was still grieving like he Mm -hmm. was. And it was basically being 
brushed aside and yeah. ignored. He feels that his grief is more real because he can see it. He can yeah. feel it. He mm-hmm. knows his wife. He remembers his wife. Yeah. He has photographs of his wife. Her, you could argue that this is physical injury versus mental injury, you know? Mm-hmm. Her experience is more of a metaphysical connection than than a physical or, or, a, or a real world connection mm-hmm. like his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Angela asks Victor if she can go to her friend's house to study after school that day. And realizing that he probably fucked up a little bit with the mom and the scarf thing, he says, okay, go ahead. Just be home by dinner. And Angela and her friend, Catherine, leave school at the end of the day and they walk into the woods. But they're doing that sneaky thing where you tell them I'm going over to your house and I'll tell my parents I'm going to your house. And really they were saying they were going to somebody else's house. So yeah. there was like a whole sneaky thing going yeah, did, on. Did, like we did that a lot when we were kids, right? That's how, well, maybe you didn't, but I, I did. didn't. <laughs> like, oh, we're going to Dan's house, but we we're actually at Jeff's house. Jeff was saying we're at Dan's house, but we're at Jeff's house, whatever, you know, yeah. or Pete's house, we're at Jeff's house. Like, do you think kids still do that? I I would say probably. I don't I think, think that's something that would have gone away. Yeah. I think it's a little harder to get away with it though, right? Especially when you have a phone because parents can track where you're at. Right? Yeah. That's what that's the first thing I thought was like, dummy, you have her phone and she has a phone, you can track her. Yeah. You can keep an eye on where she is. Yeah. If you have it set up right, yeah. If you have it set up. Correct. That's mm-hmm. correct. That's true. Maybe he didn't have it set up that mm-hmm. way. Well, anyway, so Victor is taking pictures of a family. He's at work while she's at school. And he starts seeing weird images flash when we start seeing them. I don't know if he sees them. Do you get the feeling that he sees them? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I think we're supposed to see it from his perspective. Okay. Yeah, but we're seeing like screaming child face is like in like a flash, you know, like a one out of the 24 frames or whatever that's Mm -hmm. flying by our eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. And when he looks at them on the laptop, the pictures are distorted, but in, in when they're projected, they look fine. Mm-hmm. So when he gets home, Angela is not there. I do think that's weird. I'm going to back up just real quick because yeah. I just had a thought. That yeah. is weird because if this demon is already going after Angela, what the heck is it doing at the photography studio messing with... Are we dealing with more than one demon? No, we're not. I, this is a. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to set this up as Vincent is the new doc, uh, new Doctor Karras. Well, I guess he he was, but Father Karras, um, and Angela is the new Reagan. Mm-hmm. And in the original movie, Father Karras has some experience with Pazuzu, unknown, unbeknownst to himself. He is involved, like that demon is kind of involved in his mother's death. Like they 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 frame mental illness as the demon in the in the movie in the okay. original movie, right? Okay. So I feel like we're trying. They're trying to make this connection. This is where I think the other part. This is another part of the movie that I ha- think has a real problem. We're trying to set up the exact same scenario. Mm-hmm. He has demons. He sees demons. She's possessed. They're going to come into contact. But we don't get the resolution that we get in. The fight doesn't seem as personal in the end. Mm -hmm. 
We'll get there. Victor, when he gets home and he realizes that Angela's not there, he calls Catherine's home. And Catherine's mom, Miranda, says that they were going to go to Deshauna's house. That's what Catherine told her. So this is where you get the whole, mm-hmm. we told them we're going to one place, we're going to another. They find out that the girls were going into the woods because they called Deshauna's mom. And Deshauna's mom's like, no, they were they were going to go into the woods. Well, Deshauna was Deshana, saying that. Yeah, Deshauna was saying that the girls were going to go into the woods. So Victor joins forces with Miranda, Catherine's mom, and Catherine's dad, Tony. And they go into the woods and they go searching. You know, I mean, obviously your kid's missing. That's exactly what I would do. Mm-hmm. Victor finds a, um, like the the area that they went down into, but it's now filled with water. Because we, we do see the girls. They go into this, like, cavern. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like it's a building that was covered at some point. Mm-hmm. Like a buried building, half-buried building. They go in there to perform a ritual so that Angela can contact her mother. It's a... One of those kids things, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they, they, it mirrors the whole, what are those, what are those, what is that little paper thing that the kids do? What is that called? Oh, I don't remember. You know what I mean? It's the I thing with the numbers is, on the top I and you do that. Called, I don't remember yeah. what it's called, but you know, you do that and you, and it like tells your future, right? Yeah. You're one, two, three, four, open and the little pick thingy. A, yeah, yeah. And then you pick a color and we say G-R-E-E-N, you know, and yeah. this is very much similar to that because they're doing that. They're, they do have that early on in the movie. They show that early on in the movie, that type of thing. So this is something that kids do, you know, like this little quote unquote ritual seems harmless it's just like oh it's just a silly game right Mm -hmm. you take a pendant and you hover it over a candle and then you let them speak through you or whatever right Mm -hmm. and why we don't do ouija board in the house (laughs) (laughs) we don't do ouija board in the house for other reasons honey (laughs) this is why victor finds this space but it's now mostly filled with water and he finds the girl's sneakers at least one of them anyway yeah the police show up. The big a big search happens, right? While they're searching, and you know, as this is going on, it's going on for three days. Other like his neighbors try and help him out. Like he's got a neighbor from across the street who breaks into his fucking house and has them perform like a fucking has a voodoo priestess perform a ritual in yeah. his house without his permission. Yeah. That's trespassing, man. That's breaking and entering. You can't just wander into somebody's yeah, house. Yeah, and he's rightfully upset about this. Why are people just wandering into people's houses you know, in these movies these days? I I understand that that guy, the neighbor, has this belief that this will work, but I feel like you are like imposing your religious beliefs on, like you're forcing it on this guy yeah. who's already traumatized by a missing kid. <laughs> Talk to him first and like, hey, I believe this. Would it be okay if we do that? Just ask permission. Don't just go in there and do that. I mean, to say nothing of the religion, it's still fucking breaking and entering. And it you is, don't yeah. just get to want <laughs> I know that you guys are gym buddies, but like, I look, I'm not going to go break into Paul's house and be like, hey, man, we're just going to hear, we're going to like, we're going to do some ritual stuff here. Is that cool? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> it's, it's, no, man, it's cool. It's cool. It's fine. We're fine. Paul'd be like, 
I don't care. Why would you do that? That's weird. And how did you get in here? <laughs> like, to be fair, Paul is not suffering from the same type of trauma that uh, Victor is. Right, right. One of the other neighbors is a a nurse at the hospital, and she lives literally next door to him. She comes over to him and expresses her condolences and that sort of thing. But the police suggest that there are homeless encampments. Or no, it's Tony that suggests that there are homeless, homeless encampments in the woods. Maybe one of them knows what's going on. I don't like this Tony guy, by the way. Tony's a dick. Tony is actually one of the worst characters in this whole fucking movie. He actually is the worst. He might be worse than the fucking demon. I feel like, though, the character represents real people out there. I think you're right. Like, I've heard people say the shit that came out of his mouth before. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, the no. actor did a great uh, job representing yeah. this. But I, I, yeah, you're, uh, a, yes. The, yeah. He, I just don't like this guy. No, he's, he's a dick. Yeah, good job to uh, Norbert. N- Norbert Butts. That, the dude nailed it. I mean, yeah. like he mm-hmm. made that guy as unlikable as he could find. Yeah, possibly. I didn't like you, Norbert Butts, in this. Even, good job. Good I'm job. sure you're a nice guy. But <laughs> like, even, even in moments where you're supposed to empathize with him, you're like, fuck, I just can't, right? Like, this guy is such a prick. I don't like this guy. Yeah, but he he suggests that the homeless people might know something, right? The unhoused folks, they might know something. And so they go in and they they talk to, like, Victor goes and he talks to some people at one of the, at like a shelter. He's where there's, you know, they have, it's a food shelter or a, what do you call it? Food shelf. And here's strike two for the movie for me, Okay. Why is it that whenever you have unhoused people or homeless people, they've all got to be crazy and lewd and disgusting? I don't know. Why are we demonizing them? I don't know. They're victims of this society, and we're demonizing them. Mm -hmm. What's up with that? And why is this film perpetuating that? I don't know. I've known people that don't have homes. And they are not freaks that are just going to be like, oh, maybe your girl got a little bit of the in out, huh? Like, what What the fuck is up with that? Yeah. Strike two movie. Miraculously, Angela and Catherine are found hiding in a barn on a farm some 15 miles away. Do you remember how far away it was? Wasn't it like 30 miles or 30 something? 30 miles away. It was, it was a long way away to be walking. Yeah. With no shoes on. They have no shoes. Their feet are blistered and red and sore. Their skin has been like scratched up or cut. And they seem disoriented. They go to the hospital. They get they get taken a look at. They do, holy shit. By the way, this is something that the movie really does well. Now, obviously, I'm 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 a cisgendered man. I've never had to experience a rape kit. Mm-hmm. This seems like one of the most intrusive and horrifying things to have to go through. Mm-hmm. I haven't either, by the way, the, but but I have done annual exams and stuff, and it's it, and it, I think the hard part for me because. This is shit you have to go through when you when you do this, but like, these are kids. They don't they don't know what's happening, and and they're already scared and traumatized, and yeah. then to have to go through that. Yeah. The way that this is framed, the way that this is shot, the way that they 
proceed through this was one of the most horrifying things in the movie. This is one mm-hmm. of the most, this is one of the things that to me turned my stomach and actually like made me feel something in this movie. But so he takes her to the hospital and when they get home, Angela tells him that they played a game in the woods where they tried to contact Seren and then they fell into a hole and they got lost. But she also starts to exhibit some weird behavior. She's talking to things that aren't there and the lights are kind of coming on and off as Victor's brushing his teeth in one moment and she's suddenly there and he's like, okay, look, we're just going to, we're going to get you a bath and you know, you'll feel better. We'll just get you in a bath, which warmed up and you'll feel better. Right. He leaves for a second, comes back. The water is black. Her toenails are on the side of the tub. And when he is, while he's looking for her, Angela takes the scarf, Seren's scarf that he had taken back from her mm-hmm. around his face and tries to suffocate him. Mm-hmm. And it's that moment that he's like, all right, she's got to go back to the hospital. Something is not right. 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 The that jump scare with the lights did not work. Too many on and off with the lights. Yeah. If you want to do this right, you do it two, and on the third, she's there. Not fifteen times, and then all of a sudden she's there. Too many times with the lights. Yeah. It's the rule of three. It works with comedy and with horror. Three. The rule of three. <laughs> not the rule of fifteen. So Miranda and Tony have brought Catherine back to the church because now they're all everybody's so happy that the kid's back the church wants to celebrate right so the pastor is you know expressing his thanks for the child being returned to them meanwhile Catherine has like wandered off and when she comes back she looks like she's covered in blood and starts yell and starts shouting the body in the blood Well, they had communion that day. That's true. <laughs> the and, and here's the other difference. Now, Miranda and Tony bring her home. Yeah. They don't bring her to the hospital. So we've got man of science, man of faith, right? Yeah. Victor, man of science. Tony, man of faith. Say what you will about his character. In Angela's hospital room, her nurse, who is the endowed character, tells her, you know, that, hey... I'm so sorry that you showed up here. I, 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 I'm glad you're back, though. Angela starts talking in a weird voice and saying, like, horrible things to Anne. Mm-hmm. Calls her by a nun's name and then says the name of a child or, your chi- or this child or... What did she say? She said, like, scooped out like a pumpkin or something yeah. like that. Scooped out like a, like a dead pumpkin yeah. or something or a gourd or something like that. And then Angela starts bleeding as if she had an abortion herself. But this is, what, a 10-year-old girl? 11-year-old girl? Right. Anne, clearly disturbed by this whole thing. As she should be. As she this should be. very yeah. traumatizing. Yes. Yeah. Anne visits Victor at his house and is trying to console him. She gives him a copy of Chris McNeil's book that she wrote, which I think is... I'll have to check this out because I haven't seen the movie, but I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that Chris McNeil had written a book by The Exorcist 2. Mm, okay. So this is like part of 
like lore or something. Okay. Which doesn't make any sense because if they're doing the same thing that they're doing in Halloween or that they did with Halloween, they should be wiping all the other sequels, correct? And this is just a direct sequel to The Exorcist, right? Maybe they're just keeping elements of it. I would assume they're just keeping bits and pieces. And maybe I'm misremembering it because I, again, haven't seen The Exorcist 2. Mm. I don't know for sure. It's just it's just stuck in my head that I might know that. Anyway, and Victor turns her away. is like, nah, I'm not, I'm not interested in your religious bullshit. And Anne says, look, I need, just give me a minute of your time. I need to tell you something. And she tells Victor that she was going to be a nun. She had taken her vows and she ended up getting pregnant out of wedlock. And she abandoned her vows. She had an abortion. She had never told anyone else about this. And she had never told anybody the name that she was taking when she was going to take her vows. But Angela knew the name. Sister Mary, whatever, right? That kind of gives Victor maybe a little pause. Mm-hmm. And Enough that he, he'll, he's going to at least browse through the book. Yeah, he's going to read the book a little bit. And he sees interviews with her on YouTube with Chris McNeil. Interviews with Chris. Do do, do we know? Did you do any research on that? Is this stuff that's been created for the film? Or was this stuff that was in maybe other movies? Like previous movies? I don't know. Okay. Because I was trying to... It looked like she's not saying the same things that her mouth is saying. You know what I mean? Mm, okay. Like, like it looks like maybe they bat, they dubbed it poorly or they tried to AI make her mouth do something, you know? Mm, okay. It didn't look like it synced up properly. I didn't pay attention to that. Something so was off. <laughs> Something was off with that. Because it's definitely it's definitely a younger Ellen Burstyn. As she appeared in The Exorcist, she's got the same haircut. She looks the same as she did in The Original Exorcist. Yeah. He ends up seeking Chris out personally, and he finds her at her home. She tells him that she has been cut off from Reagan. Reagan said, I don't want to deal with you anymore after she wrote the book. And this is her personal trauma. She no longer has her daughter. She can't see her daughter. But she still has faith that she's alive. Victor tells Chris what's going on. And Chris says, look, I've I've spent the last... 30, 50 years of my life studying exorcism through all throughout all religions. And this convinces Chris, Victor to bring Chris to see Angela. Chris thinks it's the same demon that possessed Reagan because Angela, the possessed Angela, tells Chris that Reagan is burning in hell. So then they end up going to Catherine's home to introduce Chris to Catherine and she gets the same she gets taunted the same way about Reagan Mm -hmm. from this child this possessed child but Chris gets in too close trying to expel the demon from Catherine's body and Catherine grabs a cross and gouges out Chris's eyes that was gross yeah it was she ends up in the hospital. Victor apologizes for what happened. Chris doesn't regret trying to help him, though. She tells him that she had to be there. She was meant to be there. Mm-hmm. And then 
we don't see Chris again for a while. Pretty much the whole third act until the end. Anne talks to a friend of hers at the church, Father Maddox, who, and they go to the Catholic church to get approval to perform an exorcism. Meanwhile, Catherine's parents get their own pastor, Pastor Rivens, to help out. Meanwhile, Victor goes to Seren's grave and finds voodoo practitioner, Dr. Bahibe. And he says, okay, well, I, I need you to help me. So now we've got three different religions or sects of religions. I kind of like that. I kind of like that they're bringing in different ones to try and help with this. I like the idea of a bunch of people working together from like from disparate pasts or different different mm-hmm. cultures and and creeds and stuff like that, but I feel like this movie suffers for it because it lacks focus now. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody's there's always somebody's doing something else mm-hmm. in this movie now, and it's going to get so disjointed and so convoluted mm-hmm. that it just doesn't feel like it's got like a central purpose anymore. It's weird. We're supposed to empathize with Catherine's parents. We're supposed to empathize with Anne, and we're supposed to empathize with Victor. But they're all like so vastly different. And the religions that they're bringing to the table are so vastly different that mixing them all up, I feel, is what ultimately ends the ends the film the way it does. I think that the I think the message that this movie is giving us is that it's not going to work this way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it. It's just a weird, weird way to do it. Anyway, we'll get we'll get to that because I, I, I have a point there I want to make, but we'll, we'll get there. We also get a Pentecostal preacher named Stuart that's going to be there. So now we've got, what, four different religions or sects of religion. Why don't you just have three? Because the one pastor is the same as Anne's character. Right, but we've got the pastor from... The Baptist Church. The Baptist Church. You've got the pastor from the Catholic Church. Catholic Church, and then the Voodoo Lady. And the Voodoo Lady, and then you've got the Pentecostal guy too. The Baptist. Who's that? Tr- he was just that other random dude. He was. No, the- he's the one that brought in the Voodoo Lady. That's the neighbor across the oh, street. Oh, okay. All right, never mind. Father Maddox is told by the church that they are not going to approve the exorcism because exorcism because somebody's going to end up getting killed. And they don't want to deal with the legality of that. Victor, Miranda, and Tony end up gathering everybody together. They bring Angela and Catherine together in Victor's house. They bind them to chairs that are nailed to the floor. They draw a ring around them. And they start to have a ritual to exercise the girls by themselves. So now we've got amateurs doing this with the guidance of a couple of people Mm -hmm. from the outside. This seems like a bad idea. It, again, this is like, what is this movie trying to tell us? If we listen to the the teachings of our churches, for those of us that have churches, if we listen to those teachings and then we try and do it ourselves, we're going to fuck it up so we have to let them do it? Is that what it is? We can't do it ourselves? We need to rely on religion? Is that? Yeah, but yes, 
but it didn't work when the Catholic priest came in. It was still done by the non-professionals. Because Baptist priests don't do exorcisms. Right, but one of the kids ends up dead. Right, but I think that was going to happen no matter what. No, that's just not necessarily. We don't know. That what they're saying is if we do it ourselves, we're going to fuck it up. We need religion. That's what it seems to... That's, what it, that's the way it comes off to me mm. watching this film. If they intended something different, they really need to frame it differently. Oh, I guess... Okay. I... I guess I didn't get that from that, but <laughs> I could see where you do. Amateurs, yeah. amateurs yeah. doing this, according to this movie, are going to fuck it up, and one of the kids, ends, one of the kids, ends up dead. To me, that's how it comes off. But, but it also gives vibes of like your personal spirituality is what's going to save you, mm-hmm. right? And like who you are as a person is going to help inform that. So it's got these conflicting messages see, here. I would have makes liked... it so convoluted. I would have liked it more if Victor's character stuck to his non-belief and still made a difference. Because then you're adding a fourth element to the other three and just saying that you don't have to have faith to still make a difference. You can have faith in yourself and faith in your family and... That type of thing. I think I would have liked that whole part better. Right. But he reverts back to reading the Lord's Prayer or whatever, right. reciting yeah. Lord's Prayer or whatever it was. Yeah. So. yeah. so during the ritual, we're back up a little bit here. During the ritual, the demon who is revealed to be a demon named Lamashtu, not Pazuzu and not the devil. How does this demon know who Chris is? Because she says the demon recognizes her. All right. So... Lamashtu is a demonic figure that preys on pregnant women during mm-hmm. childbirth. That demon is the sworn enemy of Pazuzu. So I wonder if they're trying to connect it that way. So my question then is, has this demon always been inside of her? I wonder if it has because she, and this is kind of where I want to back up and you know that voodoo ritual at the beginning? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. But I feel like that wasn't supposed to invite... I think that was supposed to be a protection spell, but I wonder if somehow that opened up the spirit realm or something and the demon came across and and, and got in there. Convoluted. I don't know. But, Convoluted. But yeah. Angela does say she keeps hearing voices and yeah. someone is talking to her. She says that before she gets possessed. Right. So she's already been possessed. It's been so this whole time. I feel like there's something that's been around. It just hasn't actually taken hold and gotten physical possession yet. You so, know? so if you take this information from the end of the movie and you apply it to what we know about the beginning of the movie, which is that she gets a blessing from a voodoo priestess, they are saying that voodoo opened her up to possession. I feel like that's what they were saying because that's how I read that. So they're saying that all religions have to come together to expel this demon, but it's really voodoo's fault that this demon's even here. So why are they having voodoo at the table? I don't know because I feel like voodoo wasn't supposed to be the reason, but it happened to be the reason. That's stupid. It's convoluted. It doesn't make sense and they are muddying their message. Yeah. The, this needed another rewrite is what this needed. You needed to clarify what happened and how she was possessed. You either need to completely excise <laughs> you need to completely excise the idea that 
Angela's hearing voices and there might be something there to begin with. Mm-hmm. I, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to call back to Reagan hearing voices or Reagan having a a, a secret friend or a, uh, an invisible friend, Mr. Howdy, right? Mm-hmm. Which was Pazuzu, right? But they are planting this way back at birth. Yeah. Why is she only now starting to hear voices? And why are you blaming voodoo for this if you're going to use voodoo as part of the solution? I don't know. I, I you, thought it was weird. It's unnecessarily muddying the waters. You mm-hmm. need to you need to streamline that. This movie needed a whole other rewrite. I, I just it just needed a whole other rewrite. The demon speaks through Angela. He tells he tells us that Victor had to make a choice to save either Seren or Angela, and he chose Seren. He chose to save his wife. Mm-hmm. But she didn't live, and Angela did. Mm-hmm. So the opposite happened from what he intended. Doesn't mean that he loves Angela any less. He obviously loves Angela. Right. Yeah. It just means that in that moment, that moment of an unbearable decision he made what he thought was his best decision reminds me of the sophie's choice decision you have to make on the spot (laughs) wow that that fucking dark okay that that movie traumatized me um but i felt the same like gut wrench of i don't know how you make this decision on the fly like that i just uh, don't know how you do yeah i mean for so that's something that did work well along with the the rape kit scene this scene worked well where we get this flashback to him having to make this decision mm-hmm. i don't know how you make this decision. i don't either i don't either <laughs> i don't know how you live with whatever decision you made especially if the opposite happened if it were ever to come out if it were ever to come out that i chose my wife over my child and my child was the one that lived if it was ever to come out to that kid that would be so traumatizing to that kid mm-hmm. you never wanted me which is exactly what angela says yeah and i also feel though the other way if he would have chose uh, he did cho- choose the mom but if the mom lived and the child died the mom probably never forgive him no. for it no because she said you she wanted him to protect him yeah i i this know. is literally a rock and a hard place right i i yeah no, i i feel like this is just one of those <sighs> situations i hope i'm never in because well i, I promise I, I, I will never get pregnant and you will never have to choose between <laughs> me and my baby fair i will 100 percent guarantee you that that will never ever happen good maybe i should leave like a 0.1 percent because you know evolution i don't know <laughs> i mean it doesn't move that fast but who fucking knows you know maybe nuclear reaction i don't know hulk thing i don't you know. never know you Whatever. could be the first Whatever. pregnant man out there so after angela accuses Victor of not wanting her, they have to kind of take a break. And Victor goes outside. He finds um, Father Maddox in his car, cowering. And he says, hey. He's not cowering. He's out there praying. Yeah, he's afraid of what's going on in there. He's not participating. He's not in He's not in there helping. Right, but he was told by his elders or whatever the hell they're called that he's not allowed to. Like they said, you cannot do this. We are not sanctioning this. The elders said they need psychological help. Right. The He's still cowering. If he, because he will eventually go in, mm-hmm. but he only goes in after Victor tells him, hey, put up or shut up. Don't stand out here and pray. Do something. 
which I think I actually really like. This is an admonishment of people who are like thoughts and prayers online. Yeah. Gun violence in America, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, you know? thoughts and like prayers. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the thoughts and prayers either because right. I'm like, that's just empty words. This, Yeah, this is this is exactly what he does is he goes out there and he tells him to his face, stop fucking sitting out here praying and get in there and actually do something. Mm-hmm. But when he goes in, <laughs> when he goes in, the demons easily overtake him. Yes. Maddox He does is, not last very long. No. He, <laughs> wow. He is the anti-Father Karras. Because Father Karras, like, Father Karras fucking hangs in there that whole movie mm-hmm. before he's done in. This dude walks in and they're like, haha, fuck you. And they twist his neck off, you know? Like, right. holy shit. Like, this guy, talk about ineffectual, right? So after they murder Father Maddox, the demons basically say, hey, one of the kids is going to live and one of them is going to die. You have to choose. And the parents are all like, we can't fucking do that. We're not going to kill one kid to save another kid. That's not going to happen. Although Victor looks like he's thinking about it. Victor looks like he's thinking about it, but he doesn't do anything. Like he's had to make this choice before. Right. Yeah. This is exactly what he's been, he's, he's experienced, right? So he's back to square one. This is a trauma for him. He's frozen by this. Tony runs. Tony, like, leaves. He can't fucking deal with this, right? Yeah. Faced with the reality of what his faith can be distorted into, he decides to depart rather than face it. Yeah. You know? And Victor starts to reach out to Angela saying, hey, I'm going to save her myself. He starts to reach out to her apologizing. He didn't He didn't, He didn't. didn't mean to take his mom's scarf or her mom's scarf from her. She deserves to have that as well. Uh, he gets the real Angela to come out and actually, like, speak. Mm-hmm. But it's at that moment that Tony's dumbass decides to come running back in and shouting how he's going to choose Catherine over mm-hmm. Angela, which it basically causes like the end game of this demon. Mm-hmm. They the demons float Angela's body upward. She vomits bile and then collapses and flatlines. Right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Catherine is alive. But then she just dies. Like, she just goes limp. Flat lines as well. And we see... it. I think it's a, like a representation of her spirit being dragged to hell. Yeah. Is that what we're getting here? I, that's how I took that. Is okay. It was capturing her. Tony, by choosing his daughter, Tony, by refusing to believe in everyone being able to work together, Tony, by being selfish, condemned his daughter to hell. Because mm-hmm. he chose, because obviously demons cannot be trusted. Yeah, well, what if a demon, if a demon, a trickster is going to say, hey, if you do this, I'll give you this. You're definitely not getting what he says you're going to give you, or he's right. going to give you, you know? You got to be dumb as a bag of rocks to believe that. But he is traumatized. He is in despair. He is the emotional decision, while Victor is the rational decision. Mm-hmm. It's the duality of it, right? That's the duality of man. We have emotional decision and we have rational decision. I can fault Tony for this because I think Tony was selfish and reactionary mm-hmm. in his nature. But I, I, I can I also understand. I was going to say, I agree, yes. but yeah, you, you got you, Miles and Miles's buddy sitting there in the same situation. What are you going to do? I don't know. It's 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 just one of those choices where I understand, mm-hmm. 
but yet I do fault him for yes. it. Like yeah. like you said. So yeah. And and I think we're meant to feel that way. I think we're meant to feel like Tony's an asshole, but he's put in an impossible situation. Mm-hmm. The difference here, of course, is what does an asshole do in an, an impossible situation versus what does a good person do in an impossible situation, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Angela wakes up and Miranda and Tony are mourning their dead child. Mm-hmm. Later, Angela is back to a normal life. She has a better relationship with her dad. They, they, She's wearing her mom's scarf. You know, they're back to the way they were. Miranda and Tony are still mourning Catherine. Victor visits Seren's grave. And Anne is giving a statement to the police. She is saying, you know, hey... I was meant to be there. This was meant to happen. I'll tell you what happened. And I'm not going to waver from it. So also, she's kind of reassured in her faith. Yeah. Also, I feel like I was watching this thinking, how do you explain this to the police and not end up in jail? I have a note, I have a note like that, too. Because th- there's two dead people and one's a child. I'm going to refer you to the film The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I've not seen that one yet. You should watch that movie. It is not as much a horror movie as it is a court case. It is about a priest that is put on trial for the death of Emily Rose during an exorcism. Hmm. It's actually pretty good. It's not like great cinema or anything like that, but for popcorn flick, not bad. Sure. Not bad. Chris, meanwhile, we get to see her again, right? We do get a brief flash of her like praying in her hospital room mm-hmm. in the third act, but that is literally the only thing yep. that we see of her in the third act. Like they leave her completely out of this. Mm-hmm. Like they they brought her back to blind her and fuck her off to the hospital and that's it. I am glad though that she was still at the hospital because so many of these movies, somebody gets like this big traumatic injury yeah. and like, 15 minutes later, they're out slaying people. <laughs> I know, but why do you blind her to begin with? I, I don't know. I don't know why you do that. I do know why. Why? It's for movie two and three. Right. I think what it is is that they're trying to say she has never been able to see Reagan's experience. She's only experienced it through her own world. And that's when, when she wrote the book. That's why Reagan left. Reagan left because... Chris only told the story from her perspective. Mm -hmm. Chris only experienced it from her perspective. She didn't join forces with Reagan and write the book Mm -hmm. to tell it from both of their perspectives. So Reagan left. Chris is blind. She can't see that. She hasn't been able to see her daughter in years physically. And now she, even though Linda Blair comes back, Reagan comes back and visits her in the hospital... At, just as the movie's ending, right? That is like literally the last scene. Reagan is with her mom. They brought back uh, Linda Blair. Welcome back, Linda Blair. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her in years. And she still can't see her daughter. Mm-hmm. So movies two and three are going to... I'm telling you, movies two and three are going to be about Reagan's experience. Chris understanding, finally getting to that point where she can see her daughter. Mm-hmm. She can see what her experience has been. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the end of the movie, and yeah, I got a shit ton of notes. A shit ton of notes in here. There are points in this movie where the music just completely drops out, and I really appreciate it for that, because I think too many horror movies give you musical cues leading up to scares. Mm -hmm. This movie does not. This movie gives you music after, but not leading up to. 
really good. So I think, I think, I think one of the things that really bothered me about this movie is that there are too many personal stories competing for attention here. This mm-hmm. movie really needed to be streamlined to be about Victor and Angela mm-hmm. rather than Victor and Angela and Anne and Father, what's his face? And then Catherine and Catherine's mom and dad. And then like Chris McNeil and Chris McNeil's relationship with the too much going on. What really worked about that first movie is that Father Damien, Father Karras, had his battle confronting death and confronting his own personal demons arising from his mother's death while he was fighting Pazuzu Mm -hmm. and and exercising Reagan. It killed him in the end, but it was a streamlined story about two people fighting demons. Chris McNeil was a side character. She was the perspective character, but we Mm -hmm. watched everything through her eyes. But, but those two were the ones that were fighting this fight. Mm Mm-hmm. In this movie, everybody is fighting this fight or that fight or another fight or their own personal demons and it's all coming together at the end and it just, you don't have a character that you can latch onto. We've got little yeah. bits that we can uh, we can latch onto, like Tony's having to make the decision that, that Victor had to make and how we can relate to Tony even though he's an asshole and how Victor can still have faith even though he's an atheist. I don't know how that works, but... There's so much going on. It's so convoluted is mm-hmm. the problem. It's not streamlined. Sure. That's my biggest problem with this movie. Blah. Blah. I feel like we should have known after that last Halloween movie that David Gordon Green and these guys, they can't stick the landing. <laughs> they don't know how to end it. Like this ending is unsatisfactory to me. It does not feel earned. The third act is where this movie really falls apart. This is the first one of the trilogy, though. They should have knocked this part out of the park. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any notes that you wanted to talk about? Nope, I've covered all mine. You've covered everything? You don't have any like alternate castings or anything nope. like that? Nope. How did they get... Did you hear anything about how they got Linda Blair back? No, I did not Did you just throw a that. truck of money at her or something? Or was she like, fuck yeah, I'm not doing anything. Let's do this. I have no idea. I'd be interested to find... I'd be interested to find out. Anyway, all right, so why don't we do our thing, then let's uh, do keep, rent, or erase. Jennifer, tell us why. I'm going to erase this movie because, well, many reasons. All right, I feel like Reagan and Chris were not necessary. Yes. Now, I understand that you're knowing now that Mm -hmm. they're building a trilogy and they probably brought them in for that, but the movie still has to stand on its own, and I I just I just don't think they were necessary in here. Can and I, if you wanted to introduce them, maybe just bring them in at the end or something on a little like, you know, teaser at the end of the movie or something. Maybe. Can I interject something here? Sure. I felt through the first two acts of this movie that this movie did not need to be an exorcist movie. That this, is going to be one of my notes here. You, okay, good. Well, okay. then we're on the same page because it felt like to me like if you just take the exorcist off there and you just call it the believer. Mm-hmm. Just take the extra name off of it and keep mm-hmm. Chris and Reagan out of it. And this could this this is a this could have stood stood on its own. It still has its problems, but the only connection is Chris mm-hmm. because the yeah. demon's not even the same. Yeah. So, so that's my first point. I don't think Reagan and Chris are necessary in here. 
I don't think this one is that scary. Um, yeah. The head twisting thing, we've seen it before. Yeah. The green goo coming out, we've seen it before. We've seen it better. The, the stuff that they're saying that's supposed to be really offensive and stuff, for the most part, we've seen it before. Don't care. We've seen it all the before. The only thing that was said that I thought hit home was when Angela was talking about you didn't choose me. Yes. That one that, that did hit that home. That hit yes. home. Everything else don't care about. Key on that. Why don't you key on that? Yeah. The story, I agree, was not clear. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a little confusing. I'm really not excited that there's two more of these coming. <laughs> I don't care. You can do this as Another exorcist movie. Just don't call it exorcist. Like you said, call it the believer. Call it anything else. Yeah. You don't have to tie this back to the exorcist. It doesn't need. I don't understand why we have all these reboots right now. And obviously, stop doing that. These are not the movies that are being the most successful movies right now. You want more Barbie movies. I want more original movies. Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer. Barbie. The Creator. The Whale. The Creator. Give me more stuff like that, not these damn reboots. I've seen this shit already. I felt the makeup was okay, but it reminded me a little bit of the vampires from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because with the big protruding foreheads and the dried out lips and stuff, that's all I could think of while I was watching these. And the eyes. I didn't make that connection. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't it. Now, some positive things. Yes. I'm going to go with some positive things. Okay, yeah, yeah. Leslie Odom Jr., Fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. I thought he's he did really great. Good. Yeah. And Dowd, I love her. Everything she's I've seen great. her in, I love her. She yep. is fantastic. Yep. Norbert, we talked about. He's great jackass. Yeah, he, he really does. Oh man. Jackass. That dude makes you hate him, and that is that Absolutely. is the sign of a good actor. Of there. the two kid actors, I wasn't a big fan of Olivia's. I thought she Which felt, one was that? She was Catherine. Okay. I felt she fell a little flat. I didn't connect with her. I thought it was goofy. I didn't like that. Lydia, who played Angela, though, she did good. I, mm. I I felt connected a little bit more with her. Maybe that's because we spent a little bit more time with her. We did. But I do feel like she had better acting chops than Olivia did. And and her character's arc has some connections to your past with yeah, the loss and of a maybe, thing. Yeah, And yeah. that could be, too. Yeah. Now, stuff that I did find scary or traumatizing in this movie. Yeah. Was what we talked about, the choice of mom or daughter. Right. Awful. Awful in that that's probably the thing that sat with me the most Yeah. on here. Yeah. The kids missing was scary. Yeah. Yes. And when the kids were having flashbacks to what was happening, mm. I thought was a little scary. And I thought, you know what? I want to see more of that. Sure. Because yeah. to me, that's more scary than them sitting here looking like weird vampires spewing <laughs> green crap out of their mouths. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's not scary to me. Yeah. Sure. But this unknown supernatural flashback, like what happened? You know, what's going on here? Yeah. That would be scarier to me than what I got. Yeah. I don't need to see this again. I don't give a shit if I see the other two movies. I don't care. This is not, I, I, I don't need to see this movie. I so, was very disappointed. I thought I was going to get scared in this movie. I, I I didn't even give it a second thought after I walked out of this. Wow. Other than the choice of the mom or, you know, the yeah, mom or mom the daughter. The yeah. And honestly, that's it. That was the only thing that I was like, <laughs> man, that would really suck. And then last night I was like, ooh, that would that'd be really tough. I, I, I hope to God 
I never have to be in a situation where I have to choose between two loved people because I just, that would be awful. Yeah. I don't know how you live with yourself after that. Right. So. Yeah. That's the thing is like, you're the, the survivors the, are the ones that, that pay the price of whatever your decision is going to be. Right. Yeah. Right. My final answer is erase. How about you? fucking savage by the way that was that you boy you savage that and i am going to echo those that that sentiment because this is definitely a forgettable film there's nothing in this movie that we haven't seen before and haven't seen better i know you think that the original exorcist your opinion on the original exorcist is that it was goofy and that it wasn't scary but i'm just going to interject real quick yeah I respect that film, though, for what it was. Sure, absolutely. Me, personally, I don't care for it, but I understand that that was a groundbreaking, scary movie. Sure. And I respect the fact that it was scary for people who saw it at the time because that was something new. They hadn't seen stuff like that before. Absolutely. The the work that went into that, the Mm. trauma that poor uh, Linda Blair had to go through playing that. I know, yeah. um, Unbelievable. Yep. I respect that movie, even though I don't care for it. Yeah, absolutely. So and I just I, want to put that out there that, yes, I don't, it, it's not my favorite, but yeah. I respect what it is. Right. No, and, and, I, and I'm not and I'm not attacking you for your opinion on it. I'm just saying that I feel that we have seen everything that's in this movie better in the original film. I agree, 100%. They, the, the possession of Reagan is 100% more terrifying than the possession of these two girls. That these two girls' characters, they did well when they weren't possessed. I think, I'm going to say I think Catherine did better as the possessed child, and Angela did better as the non-possessed child. So, like, when she was not possessed, I think Angela did better. I think Angela's possessed persona was not as convincing Mm, as Catherine's. I think Catherine's was more convincing. She did the Kubrick stare a lot. Actually, both of them did the Kubrick stare, that tilt down, look mm-hmm. up underneath your brow yeah, kind of a stare, yeah. that I'm reaching that breaking point moment, you know. But but Reagan's was more terrifying because we spent time with Reagan. It was just as, Reagan. At, yeah, just Reagan as the whole thing was going on. These kids go from zero to possessed in almost no time. Mm-hmm. Reagan... Reagan has a lot of weird shit going on before the full-on possession. And she progressively gets worse, like her features fall. When she is shouting at Chris or shouting at Father Karras or Father Marin even, she is terrifying. These girls... I don't know if it's the atmosphere that they've created around them or if it's their abilities or what. And I'm not saying that they're not good actors. They are. They did, a, they did a fair job in parts of this movie, but I don't think they were as convincing as the possessed kids. I'm going to leave that alone because I think I've said enough about that. But the storyline is so convoluted. There are too many people involved here. More is not better. Bigger isn't always better, guys. The... I go back to, I always go back to the Walking Dead death of Glenn scene mm-hmm. to prove my point that everybody seems to think that more of everything is better. And if you want proof that more of everything is not better, more cocaine is not better. <laughs> but you go back to the Walking Dead, you don't have to kill two people. Glenn's death is shocking enough, but they didn't, they couldn't sit there. They couldn't sit in that moment they couldn't exist in that moment they were like we have to do it bigger and better and stronger and faster right 
And that's what they did in this movie. We're not going to have one possessed girl. We're going to have two possessed girls. And they're going to have to make a decision at the end, just like the dad had to make a decision at the beginning. I understand the themes, but man, with so many cooks in the kitchen, you do not get a decent meal. And that's what happened here. That's what happened here. Too many stories. This is 100% an erase for me. I will never watch this movie again. I'm not even going to think about this movie when we're done with this podcast. We will not be buying this one. We will not be buying this movie. (laughs) I have a sneaking feeling that we're going to end up at the theater seeing the other two just so that we can have a little bit of fun. Or maybe to see if this is the inverse of their Halloween trilogy. Maybe they end well, but didn't start off well. You never know. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) Never know. Are we done with Halloween or do we still have something on the table? We have Are there leftovers? New. What do we got? Well, not it's not a new movie. Not. Uh, but we're changing course here. This is a movie that you told me I probably wouldn't like and so I have not seen it because you think I will not like this one. And that is I can't remember what this is. I'm the trying next- to rem- Nope. Yeah, oh, I'm trying to remember what this is, but you've got me. You've got me. Yeah. You have you have you have amped up the tension. Tell me quick. This is the next Be Kind Rewind, Ready Player One. Oh, Ready Player One. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I did tell you you might not like that. I haven't Wait. seen it yet. <laughs> There's so many sci-fi elements in this, and I know that sci-fi is not your. It's not. Yeah, it's your very go-to. hit and miss for me. Yeah. Although, I mean, you did like the creator. I did. I did. So I mean, right. maybe there's some hope. Maybe yeah. there's some hope. We'll see. Maybe. But this is the next, what is this? The next to last Be Kind Rewind, right? Do we have one more after this? There's one more after it's this. The Fablemans, the isn't Fablemans it? will be last. I am yeah. so amped to watch this movie. I have not seen it yet. So, all right. But next week is Ready Player One. Next week, right here on the couch, we are going to the Oasis. Thanks for listening, everybody. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at a view from the couch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.